0: Over the course of the interviews that I've done for this series, I've asked most people how their politics was changed by the recession.
1: I always voted with Fianna Fáil, but no. After that, like that's, I, I wouldn't trust them as far as at all any party, to be honest.
0: If, I, if I'm radicalised, I'm radicalised because of Fianna Fáil, Feingale and Labour. And most people's politics have been changed. Not just on an I'll lend them my vote this time basis, more of a permanent shift in their magnetic north. Take lone parent Sarah Gill, who you met in the programme about the impact of austerity cuts.
1: I voted for Labour for years and years, and then Labour decimated the single parent. I thought Labour would make a difference to Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael because they're just the same all the time. And they got in and they just decimated the country.
0: (laughs) A lifelong Labour voter, she even owned up to me to having in the past had a sneaking regard for Fianna Fáil.
1: There was times when you always felt like they were looking after like low-income people, but in saying that, they were the worst.
0: Since living through the trauma of lying awake at night, stressing about how she was going to meet her bills on an ever-decreasing income, she has been wooed by Sinn Féin.
1: I would have liked him to see Sinn Féin get in, just to see if they what they do. Um, and see if they did make a difference. Don't think they would when they get in. I don't think any party does. I think they get in with all these plans and all these and then they realise, no, listen, we can't do any of this.
0: You first heard from Pat Maloney in the programme about protests. People would probably unfriend me on Facebook and, and Twitter when they realise where I came from. He was worried about what his newfound political family would think of him if they found out how he used to vote before the crash. I grew up in a fine Gael house, a very strongly fine Gael house. Went to local common meetings, went to Ardeshes above in Dublin. Pat nearly lost his home to the bank, having lost his job to the recession. He refuses to accept that his party was doing the country a service by going into government after the 2011 election. For the sake of stability, if you're going to betray your very principles, what what does that make you? Doing to to poor people what you said you weren't going to do and think it's okay because you're providing stability. Pat has voted for independent candidates ever since. His was a mixed marriage. His wife, Cath, was Fianna Fáil by birth, but not any longer.
2: They certainly don't represent me.
0: Will Fianna Fáil ever be getting your vote again in the future?
2: Absolutely not. Why not? After all the lies they've told, all the misrepresentation.
0: Different generation now to the generation of the party that
2: crashed the country. No, they have not. I've seen one damn bit of difference, whether they be young or old.
0: On one level, Kath and Pat have buried the Civil War hatchet, spurning both Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, and voting independent. But for Kath, the choice now seems to really be between voting and not voting.
2: Well, I... Don't trust any politicians anymore.
0: Really? So it's not just Fianna Fall that you've lost confidence in. It's the entire political system.
2: I have. And I thought I will think very, very carefully before I vote again.
0: Really between the lines of what you're saying to me, Kath, you're thinking about not voting at all, aren't you?
2: I'm wrestling with it.
0: Mary Lynch had been on the point of breaking a lifelong faith in Fianna Fall since Charlie Hockey and the Charvet Shirts episodes.
3: I continue to vote for them, but uh, for the last few years I haven't. No, I just haven't. No, I just haven't.
0: No. The loss of Mary's vote should be the cruelest cut of all for Fianna Fall. We met her in the episode where she was fretting about what to do with her nest egg, a problem that was solved for her by the introduction of the bank guarantee. Fianna Fáil had saved her bacon.
3: Yeah, they saved my bacon. But I mean, what were they supposed to do? They, 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 I mean, they were responsible, really, for the to do something for the country. I mean, we, we paid our taxes, we did everything. Surely, to God, I mean, they had to come. Uh, they had to come through with something.
0: singing the blues again because that's what we've been singing since the start But maybe it's not the right music for our national mood. Maybe the ending of the old order is a cause for a change of tune to something much more upbeat Trying to get a fix on what happened to see if we can fix what's about to happen. Asking if austerity altered our political DNA and what would happen if we had to go through it all again. (music) Did the crash make us stop voting the same way that our mums and dads did? It's an interesting coincidence that means nothing, but it's worthy of note all the same. This day, ten years ago, we voted in a general election just as the IMF and ECB had taken over the running of the country. And then this day, five years ago, we voted again after the Troika had left and some parts of the country were on the road to recovery. We have to consider those two elections as a part of the same piece. The first ended Fianna Fáil's grip on power, perhaps permanently, and the second ended the dominance of the big three, probably forever. And it's all because of Anne McMahon, or people like her.
3: I had been a Labour supporter since I could first vote when I was 18. So all of my life I had been a Labour supporter. And I believed that without Labour and their views and policies, um society wouldn't have been as fair or balanced as it was. And that's not to say that it was perfect. It wasn't.
0: I introduced you to Anne in the episode about protest movements, a retired school principal. She was angry at the cuts, but she felt that it wasn't right to demand that she get her pension back when so many others were much harder hit. She had never voted for anyone other than Labour.
3: Except for one occasion when I voted for Finnegale, and that was when... Garrett Fitzgerald came first. And that was the only time I stepped outside of that.
0: Anne voted for Labour this week, 10 years ago. But they were not enough of a break on Fine Gael in government for her liking.
3: They're in there. They have power. They're going to use it and say, you know, we have no choice. There's always a choice. And they didn't use that choice, you know, as... I think, as sympathetically or as empathetically as they might have done.
0: So when it came to voting this day five years ago, Anne's lifelong loyalty to Labour was at an end and her choice became a process of elimination, starting with Fine
3: The choices they made had brought us to the brink of disaster. Uh, Fine Gael are far too right wing. They believe in uh, helping the rich and the rich alone. The rest of us are almost labelled as welfare cheats. And Labour, I suppose, jumped into the boat with them, so I couldn't vote for those again. So I voted for Sinn Féin.
0: How big a change of a direction was this for you, Anne? If I had said to you in the mid-1970s or mid-1980s, you're going to be voting for Sinn Féin before too long, what would you have said to me?
3: Never. (laughs) never. i never vote for them. (laughs) Uh, But... I have to admire their policies, some of them, uh, their policies on housing, their policies on social welfare. Uh, I, there are individuals in that party that are extremely able.
0: When retired school principals, middle class pillars of the local community, people old enough to have lived through the troubles, start voting for Sinn Féin, you know that something very fundamental has shifted. It was all entirely predictable. The humbling of the legacy parties, the rise of Sinn Féin and independent candidates. And I don't mean predictable as some kind of political hunch. I mean as a matter of science.
4: In political science there is also a long-standing discussion on whether or not unpopular reforms that do have a negative effect on government popularity or um, electoral success of
0: parties in government. That's Professor Eveline Hubscher from the Central European University in Vienna. She studied the outcomes of 166 elections since 1980, where different degrees of austerity had been imposed by governments seeking re-election.
4: I think a general pattern that we find is austerity leads to a decline in the vote share of mainstream parties, so the mainstream centre-left and centre-right, or, as the mirror image, so to say, an increase in the vote share of non-mainstream parties.
0: And if the government is a coalition of both the centre-right and centre-left, then support transfers to smaller, more extreme parties of the left and right.
4: When both mainstream parties of the centre-left and the centre-right propose to implement uh, austerity, the flight to the left and to the right ends of the spectrum is particularly pronounced.
0: Kath Queely wasn't alone in feeling like not voting. Living through austerity does that to everyone.
4: What we also find is that turnout declines after spells of austerity.
0: Turnout here dropped by 4% in the first election after the Troika had left.
4: And there is also an increase in the vote share of non-mainstream parties.
0: 13% to smaller parties in our case and we weren't alone in electing independent candidates for every day of the week either
4: the pattern also holds for for Ireland that we see the increase in votes for independent is in line with what we
0: find for other countries and the more austere your austerity the more noticeable all of this becomes
4: we definitely see that austerity packages that that are bigger, four or five percent of the GDP, do have a more impact on the increase in polarization.
0: We went for 20 percent of GDP. And in blaming Labour more than Fine Gael or the Greens more than Fianna Fáil for what went wrong in government, Anne McMahon was just following a well-worn post-austerity path to the polling station.
4: The junior partner has been punished uh, disproportionately, being part of, of governments that implemented harsh measures.
0: However unique we may feel we are, when the petri dish of Irish politics is placed under the political scientist's microscope, We fragmented and polarised and punished and polled in a manner that was almost predetermined. Austerity, conclude the scientists, radicalises people.
3: I want somebody who's going to be a little radical or a lot radical and fix the health service, fix the housing situation. Somebody who has a notion of why it doesn't work and just get to it and fix it.
0: And on a scale of one to ten, ten being the government is always the government, no matter what party gets elected. How similar do you think Sinn Féin might end up being in government to Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael or Labour?
3: Do you know, I'd even put it up there as an eight, <laughs> because, because the system has to change as well.
0: This week, ten years ago, as Ireland went to the polls in the first general election since the crash, Adele was at number one, pining for her perfect partner.
4: I that down,
0: that we had been going steady with Fianna Fall since 1997. Throughout the 60s, 70s and 80s, our parents had done this on-again, off-again thing with them, but they really never stopped fancying them, and it was mostly on. Their parents had fallen hard for Eamon de Valera in the early 30s. But now the romance was over. We were in the throes of the ugliest breakup that any torch singer had ever found a melody for.
5: I know I'm going to get some abuse on doors. It happens even in the good times. But what was different this time was the level of the anger and the level of the anger from the kind of doors that you would never expect to get from, from a Fianna Fáil perspective.
0: Ken Curtin is now a member of the Social Democrats, but in 2011, and for many years before, he had been an active member of Fianna Fáil. Ken knew the party was goosed in that election after he knocked on a prison officer's door.
5: When you're a Fianna Fáil canvasser, some of the nicest doors to knock on usually are public servants. Prison officers, guardy. people in those kind of professions tend to vote strongly Fianna Fáil. There was huge anger and, and venom in what he was saying about the party. He felt like everything we did the previous with the tri and things was a personal attack on him and his family. And there was a fair degree of that, a bit from nurses... People in the kind of professions that are a huge part in Fianna Fáil's electoral success up until that point.
0: Even back in the glory days of single-party government, three out of every five doors that a Fianna Fáil canvasser knocked on would say, no thank you very much. But the hostility towards Fianna Fáil went so far past those numbers now, it felt like the electorate was consciously amputating a limb.
5: Suddenly it became popular to be critical of Fianna Fáil. In the past, you know, it was almost like, you know, it was kind of a, the, the scenario of um, the church, Fianna Fáil, the GAA, There were certain, certain things you were never critical of in this country. And Fianna Fáil was one of those things where it was suddenly it was almost seen as it, it had gone full circle like it was almost strange not to be critical of it.
0: Stranger still, we were so critical of Fianna Fáil that when someone from the Labour Party showed up asking for our vote, we still wanted to rant about Fianna Fáil.
6: Well, from the beginning, it was very obvious that it was going to be a good election for the party because the ill feeling towards Fianna Fáil and the Greens was was palpable. I mean, there, there was it was there was people spouting hatred on
0: the doorsteps towards them. Tom Carroll was canvassing for Labour in North Dublin. But
6: the elation, if you like, was was tinged to a certain degree because there were a lot of people who who were coming to the doors, mothers in particular, who had you know very sad stories to tell about their children who a few years previously had been earning big money. They decided to get mortgages and buy an apartment or a house, sometimes with a partner. And now these people were possibly back living with their parents again. Or, unfortunately, very many of them had emigrated at that time.
0: Did all of that negative feeling towards the Green Party give you a moment's pause, though, Tom? Because you must have been thinking, that's going to be us in four or five years' time. Yes. (laughs) You know,
6: I've been around for so long. Like, any time we go into government, we get hammered when we come out.
0: Five winters later, Tom was again knocking on doors in the 2016 general election campaign. And what a difference a single electoral cycle makes. Where there had been a warm embrace, now Labour was getting what Fianna Fall had got the last time out. Right up to, and including, being assaulted.
6: That was um, a situation where I knocked on a door. Uh, I knew the family. I didn't know the actual guy who answered the door. And when I announced that, I was... From the Labour Party, he literally lunged at me, showed him all sorts of abuse, fortunately. His brother, who would, who would be the member of the family I would know best, was there right behind him and literally dragged him off.
0: Well, Hang on, Tom, have I got this right? Are you telling me that what prompted this assault, what set him off was literally the two words Labour Party?
6: Yes. And of all, all you know... Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. that. They were obviously the two words
0: that set them off. If we knew in 2011 and 2016 elections who we didn't want, we hadn't quite worked out who our someone like you was.
2: I think people seen the alternative government in 2011 in, in the shape of Fine Gael and Labour I think a lot of people had their mind made up that that's who they were going to vote for.
0: Seamus Hazlitt was canvassing for Sinn Féin in West Dublin in those elections. It was a bit of a head scratcher for him that the increasingly warmer reception he was getting on the doorstep wasn't getting reflected in what way people cast their votes.
2: They were polling uh, in and around sort of 19 and 20 percent two or three weeks before that election, um, and I, th- I know I think I think, uh, I think the, uh, the the establishment parties got their act together and said okay. Let's uh, let's let's turn our guns on 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 these guys and see can we pull them down yeah.
0: a bit. Obviously, by last year's election, Sinn Fein overcame that hesitancy in people's minds, but we took our time in getting there. On the ground, Sinn Fein moved their canvassing into parts of constituencies that they hadn't reached before. Not so much the leafy roads that they used to leave to Fine Gael and Fall as a case of all of the roads being a little less leafy than before.
2: Even if you looked at our policy platform, we were tailoring a message to people whose combined income was less than a hundred thousand euros. So you know that 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 covers quite a quite a lot of the ground. You know, I would say eighty percent of the constituency um, would have been would, would have been up for for, for us in oh. terms of, of of ground that you would you would you would, you would target to, to canvas.
0: So there would have been roads then that you would have been literally turning up on for the first time in twenty sixteen. What kind of a reception did you get?
2: I, I think what you were beginning to sense was you know that. A lot of your traditional bases were kind of a little bit in the bag, and you know that gives you extra capacity to say, "Look, we don't really need to work this ground too hard." You know, I think these guys are they're up for voting for us this time, certainly in the twenty twenty election. So then you know you you look at your resource, and then you move into other areas. Um, yeah, you know, I I, I guess uh, you know by the twenty twenty election, uh, or, or even by the twenty sixteen election, people had a had a sense of what Sinn Fein were like in the doll. so that made it even slightly easier, um, I, I think, for us to have conversations with people we didn't have with before.
0: The fortunes of individual parties will, of course, continue to wax and wane. The big impact that austerity has had on us, though, appears to be that we will no longer be smitten by the one. In the era of Tinder, we can now have someone like you, as well as someone like you, and a little of someone like you, too. Political polyamory. There's another issue about our post-austerity politics, something that didn't happen that is as worth discussing as most of the things that did, something that we didn't become in response to austerity. As both Labour and Tory governments in Britain pursued austerity policies, the UK became ever more obsessed with immigration and race. People from all parties here say that that was only ever very rarely an issue on any doorstep.
6: I, I think decency is part of the makeup of an awful lot of people in this country, a, a huge majority of the people. And I think that is why it, it, you didn't have a situation where, you know, rather than blame, you know, our own people, that they would turn on foreigners. But, you know, that didn't happen.
7: People usually tend to blame immigrants and refugees for these problems instead of finding solutions to these problems.
0: Razan Ibrahim is an Irish one. She voted for the first time last year, having arrived here from Syria in 2011. Since then, she watched each of the last three elections with mounting anxiety. She works in Storyful, so she sees what is going on in the murkier parts of social media.
7: People usually tend to blame immigrants and refugees for these problems instead of finding solutions to these problems. and. In Ireland, we have been facing a uh, home crisis, health crisis and other issues. So um, sometimes actually I had my doubt that people will blame the wrong uh, group of people. You get me?
0: Did you, I wonder though, look at Britain and think that could happen here in Ireland as well. People could become obsessed with immigration in the same way as they have.
7: Um Ireland is not England or the UK. Irish people are not like English people. Uh, There is a big difference. And I believe... Irish people are more compassionate, more welcoming, more understanding of other cultures and they are trying to include other cultures in the society. Let's not forget that Ireland is a new to immigration. Uh, whereas England has been like many years before Ireland. Ireland is a new and I think there is in general a positive sentiment
0: Though there were in all our most recent elections candidates who flirted with racism or populist rhetoric on immigration, it was a cause for celebration among the immigrant community here that when the Irish people at large, in spite of everything that they had been through since the crash, voted, they rejected what these people stood for.
7: The results of their elections were fact, were an evidence that the Irish society in general is looking to something different, is looking to improve the society, to improve the health system, to improve the housing system in general. And uh, when the elections um, were announced, we saw that these people were almost zero represented.
0: Almost zero represented, she said. Now, you can argue that there is institutional racism in this country in the form of direct provision, as Razan does, and nobody should be naive about the extent of racism here. But the overwhelming majority never embraced it as a solution to the problems caused by the crash. So can we change our tune then? Was the blues the wrong choice for a new national anthem? Mm -hmm. That we shut the electoral door to racism stoking populist demagogues is a silver lining after all that we had been through. But after all that we had been through, it is only a silver lining inside a still very large and dark cloud. Mm -hmm. the end of the two-and-a-half-party system? Well, that's blues for some and boogie-woogie for others. But at least we didn't respond to an unprecedented crisis by continuing to do exactly the same thing as we had done before. So maybe a change of tune before we finish won't be entirely out of the question. But we're not there yet. Roombus Broke is produced and presented by Philip Boucher Hayes at home in his living room, which I hope explains the occasionally less than optimum sound quality. Thanks for listening and stay safe.